You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody feeling today? Staying dry? No? I thought this was Florida. It's not supposed to be cold and, and rainy and windy. It's supposed to be supposed to be warm and sunshine. We can't decide what it's going to do, but um, maybe the rain is going to give um, the pollen a little bit of reprieve if you're like me um, and highly, highly allergic. So uh, that's one good thing about it. Hey, before we jump into today's message, um, I just wanted to give you an update project that we have been working on over the past several weeks. You know that we were collecting um, food items for what we called spring break snack bags that uh, through our partnership with Southside Elementary School, we were providing um, food for 50 food insecure uh, kids and families during the course of spring break while, there be, while they will be away from school. And um, we've been collecting goods for several weeks and brought it in. And we had, we had so much you guys brought in so much stuff that not only were we able to put everything in each bag that we initially set out to, but we were able to give every single kid extra. And then when we took them over to the school on, um, on Wednesday, we got them there. And uh, the teacher that we were dealing with that's going to help us to distribute all of these things, um, she came outside and we had them already stacked up and, and lined up on the sidewalk ready to be carried in. And when she came outside, she put her hands on her face and she was like, oh my goodness, I wasn't expecting this much. This, this is way more than with these kids. She was like, these kids and these families, they are going to be so, so blessed by this. And so she had to call like every custodian that they had on staff to get their flat beds and everything. And we had them stacked up and we were carrying them in by hand. And some of you might've seen some of the pictures on our social media this past week. And I heard one of the custodians say, is this Christ Walk Church again? <laughs> That's right. That's what we're becoming known for. We're becoming known for the church that serves the community, but goes over and above. And they were so excited. And you guys did that. And then, then, like, I mean, I left that place. My head was so big. We had to grease the door frames for me to get out of the place. But then the coolest thing happened. Um, I, uh, I, was, I was leaving my neighborhood, and there, there's an apartment conf- complex um, not too far away from uh, my neighborhood that uh, um, kids from that apartment complex would go to Southside Elementary School. And I got stopped by the school bus. And at first I was like, come on, I'm in a hurry. I need to go. And then I saw this little bitty girl hop down off of the school bus. And that bag was so big, she was just having to drag it behind her to her house. And other kids were around and was like, how did you get that? Where did that come from? And she was just grinning from ear to ear because she was taken care of. And it was, it was just a visual confirmation of the blessing that you guys made happen. And it was so awesome. So for everybody that gave financially, everybody that went shopping, everybody that came to stuff the bags and to help deliver and from start to finish and everywhere in between. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are making a difference 
that is so much bigger than you even realize. And we're going to keep doing for one what we wish we could do for everyone. And we're going to place it in God's hands and allow him to bless it and use it to impact and advance his kingdom. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a hand clap? So awesome. So awesome. Hey, if you got your Bible, um, turn with me or maybe a smart device you want to swipe with me to uh, the New Testament. We're going to be in the first book there, um, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, We refer to the the first four books of the New Testament as Gospels because Gospel means good news. And the reason those four books in particular are good news is because they tell the life, uh, they tell the story of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be talking about someone who was quite close to Jesus Christ and interacted with him on a regular basis. So we're going to be um, in Matthew chapter 16 um, in just a minute, starting down at verse 13. We'll land there in just a moment. Um, Have you ever noticed uh, that that we give give a lot of power, we give a lot of, we place a lot of of trust, we we allow a lot of outside influence from this group known as they? We talk about they a lot. They said this and they did that. They, these nameless, faceless beings that exist somewhere apparently, they have a lot of influence, a lot of power, a lot of control over us. For example, we will go on, if we're looking for a new place to eat, we will go on an app on our phone called Yelp, um, and we'll pull up a restaurant, and we will decide whether or not we want to eat there based on what they said about it. We don't know who they are. And back in 2004, they said that the service was slow and the meatloaf is dry. And so we'll never, ever go to that restaurant. It's just blacklisted. We're letting them, they decide where we're going to eat. Or, or we'll go on TripAdvisor. We're planning a vacation and, and we'll, we'll look up a, a hotel and we'll scroll down to see what they said about it. And we'll find out that they said that the bed was lumpy and that the walls were thin and that they didn't even get a continental breakfast. And so we'll decide that we don't want to stay there because they didn't like it when they did. Or we'll go on Amazon. How many of you have Amazon boxes showing up at your house all the time? Man, that, that one day shipping that just, you know, just click and it shows up. My goodness, that's dangerous. But we'll go on there and we'll scroll through all of these products and we'll look at the reviews to see what Dave 54974 said about it. We don't know who he is, but man, we place a lot of weight in, in his, in, in his review of this item. And, and, and he says that, that when he put it together, there were pieces left over and it broke in less than a week. I don't know if that says more about the product or more about day 547329, but we'll decide not to get it based on what they said. And so isn't it funny that we will deny ourselves experiences simply based on the opinion of total strangers? Like that is the world in which we live. How easily we let the viewpoints of others determine both our beliefs and our behaviors. That is what we are dealing with today as we wrap up a three-part series that we are calling, also known as, or AKA, where we've been taking a look at a handful of people who had, in the scriptures, who had their names changed by God. 
And as we've um, gone through this series, we've discovered various truths from the stories of each of these individuals that we've been able to apply to our own lives so that we can begin to view ourselves through the lens of how God sees us and, and fully embrace his plan and purpose for our lives. A couple of weeks ago in part one, we took a look at the life of a man named Abram who had his name changed to Abraham. He fathered Isaac, who was the child of promise at the age of 100. And through his story, we learned that, that God always keeps his promises, that he doesn't need our help with them, and that he's always right on time. And then last week, we took a look at the life of a man named Jacob, who later had his name changed to Israel. And Jacob initially lived a life of deceit in order to get what he felt he deserved until he was eventually humbled by God. And we learned that when we get to the place that God is all we have, we will suddenly realize that God is all we need and that our pursuit of God's promises should never overshadow or outweigh our pursuit of God himself. And then today, for the next few minutes that I have this morning, I want to talk to you all about a man by the name of Simon, but you probably know him as Peter. You probably know him as Peter. And uh, there's, there's this passage in the New Testament in the Gospels, Matthew 16, where you should have turned that, that um, we're, we're going to pick up kind of right here in the middle. And then I'll go back and do my best to bring it full circle. But this is, this is a pivotal moment in Peter's life here in Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do they say that the Son of Man is, is ultimately what he's asking. Well, they, or the disciples replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Continuing on with verse 15. It says, Then he, Jesus, asked them, But who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Verse 17. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Verse 20. Verse 20 is not there. I'm just kidding. Um, so this is a, a pivotal moment in the life of Peter. 
that we see he's, he's spent some time with Jesus. He's followed Jesus as a disciple for um, approaching three years now. And um, this is a, a culminating moment where, where Jesus, um, he, he hears a lot of people believing that he is something that he is not. And there's a lot of opinions out there as far as who they, who the general public are weighing in with their belief of who Jesus is. And so he asked the disciples, What are they saying? And then he asked the disciples, but what do you say? And that would determine to make all the difference in Peter's life that we are going to find out about. But it doesn't start here. In fact, it starts approximately three years prior to this instance when Jesus meets Peter for the first time. And at that time, his name was Simon. And, um, so before we jump in to, to that, there's, there, if you're taking notes, you want to write these down. There's three principles that we can take away from Peter's life. Three principles that we can take away from Peter's life and how he had his name changed by God. And the first one is this. The first one is God sees us not for who we are, but who we can become. God sees us not for who we are, but who we can become. And so in, in John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, um, this is where Simon would have interacted with Jesus for the very first time. John 1, 40 through 42. Um, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. So he heard the teaching of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was saying, Jesus is coming, he's the Messiah, he is the sacrificial lamb to take away the sin of the world. And so Andrew hears this teaching and subsequently puts his faith in Jesus as the Messiah. And then Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, he said, hey, we found the Messiah. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus and looking intently at Simon. Remember, they just met for the very first time. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. All right. So at their very first interaction, Simon has, has never, he's never encountered Jesus before. Jesus meets him and says, hey, your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you something different. I'm going to call you Cephas, um, which is Aramaic, which means stone or rock, or in the Greek, it would be Petros, um, which is, uh, uh, which means stone or, or small rock as well. And so when, when uh, th- this is different um, from any of the other uh, things that we've talked about, like the, the, the instance with, with Abram being changed to Abraham, with Jacob being changed to Israel, there, were, there was nothing that, that Simon had done. Um, there was no process that he had gone through in order to have his name changed. Jesus just did it instantly whenever he met him. And he said, I'm changing your name from Simon. I'm going to call you Cephas or, or Peter which is a reference to a stone or a small rock. And when you think about it, when you think about it, um, a, a stone can be hard, it can be rough, and it can be unyielding. But also, on the flip side of that, a stone or a rock is also strong, can be stable, it can be foundational. And so in, in Peter's life and how we choose to view him, it's really all a matter of perspective. 
As I said, this was the first interaction that Peter um, had ever had with Jesus. And up to this point, he hadn't done anything, created anything, or accomplished anything that would have made him worthy of being given a new moniker. But who the world saw as a rough and reckless fisherman, Jesus saw as a firm and faithful fisher of men. See, it was a matter of perspective. The world saw Peter as just this rough and reckless, tough on the outside, harsh um, uh, uh, fisherman. But, but Jesus said, that's a guy. That's a guy who's got some potential. That's a guy that I can work with. I can do some things with that guy. And he saw him not for what he was, but for what he could become. And he said, The world sees you as a rough and reckless fisherman, but I see you being able to become a firm and a faithful fisher of men. So come and follow me, and I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change it from Simon to Peter. Not only would he change his name, he would also change his heart. And so thus began this passionate, uh, 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 loyal following and fellowship between Peter and and Jesus Christ. But Peter, despite what Jesus saw in him, despite the the potential that Jesus saw in his, his life, his abilities, Peter was not perfect. And in fact, he would go on from that point to mess things up quite a bit in several different times. In fact, when we look at Peter's story through the course of the scripture, um, we see that, that Peter was quite a failure often and, and that he was impetuous often to the point of rashness. I think that this is why I identify with Peter probably more than any other character in the scriptures because Peter had what I like to call foot-in-mouth disease. He was always sticking his foot in his mouth. He was always just doing dumb, boneheaded things with the best of intentions, but he would just mess the whole thing up. For example, Peter was the guy who left the other 11 disciples in the boat to walk out on the water to Jesus. But after he took a couple steps, he immediately took his eyes, his focus off of Jesus and started focusing on the wind and the waves and the rain and began to drown in the process. Peter was the guy who pulled Jesus aside and rebuked him for speaking about his death, only to be corrected by the Lord and having Jesus refer to him as Satan. Peter was the guy who suggested that they should erect three structures or shrines for Elijah, Moses, and Jesus at the transfiguration, only to fall face down and curl up in the fetal position in fearful silence of God's glory. Peter was the guy who, in the Garden of Gethsemane, drew out his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest, when they came to arrest Jesus, only to be rebuked by Jesus And been told to sheath his weapon and put it away. Peter was the guy who boasted that under no circumstances would he ever forsake Jesus Christ. But later denied that he knew Jesus three different times that very same night. See, by all intents and purposes, Peter did not pass the eye test of what it 
looked like, what it, what it should have looked what a disciple should be, what a disciple should look like. Um, I'm a huge sports fan, uh, particularly college sports. And if you've been around me more than 30 seconds, you know that I'm a huge Kentucky Wildcats fan and not just basketball. Um, I like all their sports. And uh, I can remember... Um, uh, back when, you know, like in the early 2000s, they had this quarterback named Jared Lorenzen, number 22. Um, we called him the hefty lefty or the Pillsbury throw boy um, because <clears throat> he did not pass the eye test for what it looked like to be a quarterback, what a quarterback was supposed to be and what he was supposed to look like. I can remember the first time I ever saw Jared Lorenzen play in person. Um, we showed up to the stadium and I looked down on the field during warmups and it looked like the offensive tackle was taking snaps from the center. It was the weirdest thing ever that the quarterback was bigger than the center. See, Jared Lorenzen weighed approximately 327 pounds. And you're like, that dude don't look like a quarterback until he takes the ball and guys that are trying to tackle him are bouncing off of him and he can sling it down the field because he was a lefty, so it was weird. He could sling it down the field like 80 yards. He didn't look like the quarterback, but he fit that mold. He didn't pass the eye test. I know a lot of people, when, when I first became the pastor of Christ Walk, they would say, you look too young to be the pastor. You don't look like a pastor. They don't say that to me anymore here three years later. I'm way balder, way more wrinkly. Y'all killing me. Pray for your pastor. I didn't pass the eye test of what people thought the pastor should look like, but yet here I am. We may not pass the eye test, but, but Jesus is looking at more than just what meets the eye. I love this quote from, from uh, Mark Batterson. He says, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. We may not pass the eye test. We may be the unlikely person, but God doesn't see us just for who we are. He sees us for what or who we can become. And Peter's life is full-blown proof to us that we are not defined by our mistakes. We are not defined by our shortcomings. We are not defined by what we appear to be. But we are defined by who God says we are and how he chooses to use us in spite of all of that other stuff. So number one... The first principle we can take away from Peter's life is that God sees us not for who we are, but for who we can become. Number two, the second thing, second principle we can gain from Peter's life is that God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Now, when we first meet Peter, we learn that he is a fisherman He's the brother of Andrew, and he is involved in a quite lucrative fishing business with James and John, who were brothers, also disciples. They were the sons of Zebedee, which is one of my favorite names from the Bible. And the two of those brothers, along with Peter, um, they, they operated a fishing business together. But that's it. They were just fishermen. They would not have stuck out in any particularly grandiose way in their society. They, they wouldn't have had any kind of special education or training or anything. They were just able to throw a net into the water and bring in fish. They were just 
fisherman. Peter was just a fisherman. There was really nothing special about him. And I've come to discover that there is a lot of power in the word just. The word just carries a lot of weight in our lives. I'm just not old enough. I'm just not young enough. I'm just not smart enough. I'm just not strong enough. I, I would do that, but I'm, I'm just not educated enough. I would get involved, but I, I'm, I'm just not financially stable enough. You know, I would give that a try, but I'm just not good enough. I'm just not enough. And you may not realize it or not, but, but there's a lot of times where that will come up. Maybe if, if you don't necessarily say it out loud, which a lot of us do, we at least think those things. That for whatever the task is at hand, for whatever the thing, the opportunity that is in front of us, that, that we live in the place of insecurity, that we're just not enough in some area to be able to make a difference in that way. I hear people say all the time, when it's especially uh, around like, like serving at church or doing a particular thing, being involved in a particular ministry, they, they say, well, I, I could never do that, or I'd never be as good as blank. I remember when I was uh, um, a children's pastor, I love children's ministry. I think children's ministry really is what I'm good at. And uh, uh, I can remember a number of times that people would say, I could, I could never do what you do. I could never be a children's pastor like you. I could never, could never do that. I could never teach those kids as well as you could teach them. You know, there was a time when I couldn't teach them as well as I could teach them. People say now, like, I could never get up on that stage and preach a message on Sunday morning. I could never do that as good or as well as you. And guess what? Like, there was a time when I couldn't do it as good or as well as I could do it. You remember three years ago? It was rough. I'm still learning. I'm about to the place where I'm ready to take the training wheels off and really let this puppy fly, see what it can do. But we'll never know those things and we'll never know if we're capable of something until we try it. And who knows when we step out in faith, who knows what God just might use us to do. There was a time when that person that you admire, that person that you say, man, I would do that if I could do it as well as them. There was a time when they could not do it as well as they could do it. The only difference is, is they put in the time and the experience. They put in the reps and over time they got better. They got more confident. They got more comfortable and God honored that faithfulness. That's the only difference between them and between you. Acts 4.13 says this about Peter. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. How many of you feel like that? I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm an ordinary girl. There's nothing special about me. No special training. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Listen to Peter's accomplishments. 
He was a disciple. He was one of the 12. He was part of the inner circle with James and John. And he was often the spokesperson or the leader of, the de facto leader of the 12. This just a fisherman with no special training. He wrote the books of First and Second Peter in the New Testament. He also had a hand in writing the Gospel of Mark because Mark was written from a first-hand account of Peter's interactions, his experiences as a disciple of Jesus. And if you'll remember in Matthew chapter 16, because of what Peter communicated about who Jesus was, Jesus says, he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So listen to this. Peter was given three different keys to the kingdom of heaven. The first key he was given was when he preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 to the Jews, and approximately 3,000 people were added to the faith in that day. He was given the keys uh, to the Samaritans when he ministered to them when they received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8. He was given the keys to the kingdom to unlock the door for the Gentiles when he was sent to minister to Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion who also received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 10. So through this one man, because of his, his one act of faith, because he was willing to put his, his, uh, his trust in the Lord and what God wanted to do in his life, he was willing to accept the call. He was willing to have his name changed. He was willing to let God work through him because of that. And because he recognized Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus empowered him and gave him the keys to do so many things that he would have never been able to do otherwise. And the gospel was spread to the Jews, the Samaritans, and the Gentiles, the three largest people groups of the time, all through this one man. And the difference that set Peter apart from all the rest is right here. He had been with Jesus. He didn't need special training. He had just been with Jesus. And this is the epitome of what we talk about around here, that what it means to live for something more. Peter, because Peter chose to live for Jesus, God used Peter to accomplish more than he ever could have dreamed of. And it changed the world as we know it forever. In fact, you and I, are sitting here this morning as a part of this gathering because of the work that Peter did thousands of years ago when he allowed God to use him. And it all boils down. If, if, we want, if we want God to use us, it all boils down to this right here. They didn't have special training. They were just men who had been with Jesus. So we've got to be with Jesus. If we want God to use us, that is the key. That's the key to unlock ordinary people doing extraordinary things. It's simply our willingness to be with Jesus in the word, to be with him in worship, to engage with him in prayer, to be with him in community, to be with him in 
rest, when we put those things into motion in our lives, it will change the trajectory of who we can become. We may be ordinary on this side of things, and we we may be extraordinary on this side of things, and the difference is the fact that in the middle we were with Jesus. That's how that transformation takes place. Because when we get with Jesus, he will transform the ordinary into something extraordinary. So what might God do in and through us if if we get over just, I'm just this or I'm just that, and we would allow him to use us the way that he sees fit? What might God be willing and able to do. It starts with us choosing to be with him. And that's how we move from being just ordinary people into accomplishing extraordinary things for him. So number one, Jesus or God sees us not for who we are, but for who we can become. Number two, God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And number three, the third thing that we can learn from Peter's life from his example is this. The outcome of our life will be determined by how we answer one question. Who do you say that I am? The outcome of our life where we end up, not just in this world, but for eternity, will be determined. It it hinges on how we choose to answer one question. Who do you say that I am? Jesus went to his disciples and he recognized that there was public confusion about who he was. And so he asked them, he said, who are they? Who are the people saying that I am? And they replied, some are saying that you are Elijah because it was prophesied that Elijah would would return again. And he actually returned in the form of John the Baptist who, who um, had the spirit of Elijah upon him. And others were confused because they, they looked at Jesus as, um, they, they said, some say Jeremiah. They looked at Jesus through the lens of Jeremiah who was known as the weeping prophet. And Jesus was definitely, uh, he fit that bill as he was sorrowful, sorrowful over the condition of Jerusalem and God's people and the fact that they chose to to live lives with their eyes blinded to his presence as the Messiah in their life and all of that public opinion all of what they said turned out to be that they were wrong and so Jesus he flipped the script and he said okay enough about what they say who do you say that I am and Peter being the spokesman of the disciples, he's always ready to go first and just put it out there. He said, you are the Christ or you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus reveals that it wasn't because, because Peter had been told that that's who he was. It was because God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, had revealed that to Peter, that he knew that that's who he was. And Jesus said, As a result, you are Petros, which means small rock. And on this rock, Petra, which means large rock, I will build my church. Now, 
there are some out there, let me just clarify this really quickly, there, there are some, uh, some religious organizations out there um, that, that would, would look at this and, and think that what Jesus is saying is that he's going to build the church on the back of Peter. And that it's going to be, it's going, that the, the, the church is going to be responsible, uh, uh, that the responsibility for the church is going to be carried by humans. And, and that's simply not the case. That's simply not the case. What, what, what Jesus is doing is Jesus is, is reminding Peter of who Peter was and the role that he had to play and ultimately the role that we have to play. And at the same time, Jesus was reminding Peter of who Jesus was and the role that Jesus would play. He said, you, Peter, Petros, are the small rock, and I, Jesus, am the big rock, and on this rock, I will build my church. Not you will build my church. I will build my church. And see, it's all about the confession of men about the Messiah that is the foundational belief of the church. It's, it's not about who we are. It's about who Jesus is. And that is how the church is being built, that, that Christ is the head and we are the body. We've got to understand that the church is not built on us, but instead it's built with us and that we are built on the rock of Jesus Christ. And in his epistle, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, Peter reiterates this. As he writes, he says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone, the rock of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. They rejected him, but we have been, uh, or God has chosen him, and, and then now we are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Much as it was in the time of Jesus, when he walked this earth with his 12 disciples, as there was public confusion about who Jesus was then, there's public confusion about who Jesus is today. Here in 2021. And I think that a lot of the confusion has been brought on by so-called church people. Christ followers. Believers who acknowledge Jesus as Lord with their lips. But they deny his lordship by their lifestyle. That's why there's so much public confusion. Because church people haven't set the record straight and I believe that what the world needs now more than ever is for us, for you and me as living stones to be built on the solid cornerstone, that the foundation, the rock of Jesus Christ and point people in the direction of him. That it's not about us. It's not about, it's not about me. It's, it's not about this. It's, it's not about this. It's all about Jesus. That's why around here we say that Jesus is our message. Because quite frankly, it's the only message that matters. And for so long, we've gotten it wrong. By making it about something else. 
We've made the message something that it was never intended to be. And inadvertently, what's happened is we church people, believers, we've led the world astray because we've said Jesus is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. But then we walk out the door of the church house and we live totally in contradiction to that throughout the week. And so the world is confused. So we've got to get back to the place that that Jesus is our message, not just with our words, but also in the way that we live. Because here's the deal. Jesus is not going to be defined by public opinion. He's only going to be defined by his word, which proclaims that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God, and that to him every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so when I look at the scope, when I look at the breadth of Peter's life, if I had to sum it up in maybe one succinct phrase, one, like the main takeaway from it that that you and I can apply to our lives here this morning, I think it would be this right here. When it comes to Jesus, it doesn't matter what they say. It only matters what you say. See, Peter was a direct example of this, that he wasn't so much concerned with what they were saying. He knew because it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He knew and he said, he proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah. So it doesn't matter what they are saying. It only matters what you are saying. And when you say yes to his purpose, like Peter did, you'll discover his presence. And when you say yes to his presence, like Peter did, you'll discover his person. And when you say yes to his person, that that he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, like Peter did, you'll discover his power. And when you say yes to his power, like Peter did, being given the keys to the kingdom, you'll walk in his promise. Just like Peter did. It's not about what they say, it's about what you say. Who do you say that I am? That will determine the course, the trajectory, the outcome of your life, both in this physical world and in what is yet to come in the everlasting. So my question for you this morning is, what is it that maybe God is calling you to? that you or perhaps others don't think you're qualified for. I'm just this, I'm just that. I'm not enough here, I'm not enough there. What is it God is calling you to or calling you to do that perhaps you or others don't think you're qualified for? What what are the failures in your life that you've allowed to hold you back? See, in the life of Peter that he failed time and time again, yet he failed forward. He 
continued on that forward trajectory? What, what are the failures in your life that you're saying, I could never do that because I did this. I could never be what God needs me to be over here because I messed up so bad over here. What, what do you need to put in the past and leave in the past so that you can embrace what God has for your future? Perhaps another question for someone is, in in what area of your life have you neglected being with Jesus? Because that was the the catalyst for turning what was ordinary into extraordinary. What's the area of your life that you've neglected being with Jesus? Is it in the word, in worship, prayer, community, rest? Rest? How about your marriage? How about your parenting? How about your finances? In what area of your life are you neglecting being with Jesus? And then finally, and perhaps the biggest question for all of us today. Does the way you live your life match up with who you say that Jesus is? Does the way you live your life, not, not here, not on a Sunday morning, not when all the, all the Christians are gathered. But when you walk out of this door, Monday through Saturday, does the way you live there match up with who you say that Jesus is? Because that will make all the difference. The first step to getting those things in alignment is to accept Jesus for who he is, the Christ, the Messiah, Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, maybe you're watching with us online this morning. We're so thankful that you're here. But if you've never done that, if you've never placed your hope and your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you'd like to do that this morning, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's going to be right here on the screen. That's you today. Would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Now, Father, I pray for everyone else that is within earshot of my voice here today. God, I pray that, that you would help us to be able to see ourselves, not for how we see, but that that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us, through the lens of your word and in light of who, not who we are, but who we have the potential to become. Lord, I I pray that, that you would help us to lean in in every aspect of our life, that we would be those kind of people, that though we may not have special training, we would be those that have been with Jesus. And as a result of that, Lord, that we would overcome just, all the justs in our life, all the, that we're just not enough here, we're just not enough there, and that simply because we've been with you, Lord, that you would take what is ordinary and transform it into something extraordinary. And Lord, I pray that you would help us every fiber of our being to be the kind of people who not just 
acknowledge Jesus and his lordship with our lips, but that we also confirm it by our lifestyles. Don't let us live lives of complacency. Don't let us live lives that are, that are second best, but help us instead to choose to live for you, to choose to live for something more, knowing that, that in you and through you, there is so much more available to us. That because of you, because of your work on the cross, because of your, your resurrection from the grave, that we don't have to live this way. We don't have to settle for less than but that because of you, the best is yet to come and is still in store for us. Help us to live that way like we truly believe it so that we could be those living stones that Peter talked about, being being built on top of the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ and that the world would sit up and take note And that we in turn would not draw them to ourselves, but that we would point them in your direction. By the way that we think, by the words that we speak, by the actions of our hands and our feet. Lord, that somehow, some way that our lives would exist to inspire people to choose to follow after you. God, we pray that you would do these things in and through us. like Peter, don't just change our name, change our heart so that we can become unlikely disciples, accomplishing extraordinary things. Those that walk day in and day out, having solidified, having been revealed to by the Holy Spirit, that we know, that we know, that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the Christ, the Messiah the Son of the living God. We give you all the glory, the honor, the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.